Welcome to Island Designed, a partnership podcast between Turf and Grey magazine and Belfast Design Week, an annual design festival showcasing and celebrating the design sector in its many forms. As co-hosts, Krishma and I want to capture a moment in time for creatives across the island of Ireland and share their experiences and stories in a different way to audiences around the world. We want to shed light into what being a creative in Ireland means by actually speaking to those within the sector. Each year, Belfast Design Week follows a theme, and this year we want to explore the many ways that the design sector relates to our environments, the natural environment, our working environment, our home environment, and the technological environment. We want to explore our relationships with each of these spaces and how advancements in design can and have created change for our environment and consequently us, and how those ideas will shape our future. We will be discussing how and why the environment and design are so important in today's world. And we will be speaking with creatives from a range of disciplines whose work and lifestyle choices embody our theme. I'm Rachel and I'm a marketing assistant for Bailey's Coffee Roasters in Belfast. I've also been a part of the Turf and Green team, writing and interviewing for both issues four and five over the last two years. And I'm Karishma. I'm a designer and co-director of Belfast Design Week and also part of Team Turf where I met the lovely Rachel, my co-host and Simon, our producer as well. In this episode, Rachel and I discuss the cultural revolutions that have bubbled up online and in public spaces in 2020 and their significance in shaping our future societies. We discuss the appropriation and misappropriation of culture within design and how we can make more empathetic decisions as designers. Okay, so Rachel, um, just going to talk a bit about the cultural upheaval that's happened this year. And I think, you know, not just the pandemic, but everything surrounding it has made us really reconsider our cultural surroundings. Um, When considering design in the context of our environment, we also need to consider how our individual and collective cultural history impacts on our relationships with one another. How do our complex overlapping histories collide in our shared spaces and how does designing a space through a specific cultural lens define its accessibility and relevance to a community? What do you think, Rachel, taking you all the way back to the start of lockdown, if you remember the Edward Colston statue, do you remember the the toppling of that and and everything around that? Yeah, um, so that was back in, gosh, must have been back in May, maybe, May or June time, perhaps, that happened. And um, it wasn't, like, it was not a statue that I was aware of that existed. Um, And I think for a lot of people, unless you maybe lived in Bristol or visited or knew of the history of Bristol and um, that you would have known it was there. Uh, And... It wasn't through. It wasn't until recent events over lockdown and things that were happening all across the world, protests that were happening across the world, that that statue ended up being toppled. And I um, think that really has brought to the fore the kind of discussion of who and for what purpose are our spaces designed in our cities and our towns when we look at these statues or these kind of historical. Um, landmarks that were created years and years ago in completely different eras and societies and and cultures and they're not ones that we are living in right now or 
what we're living in right now seems to be completely different and constantly changing um and people have the power to question it more and question this kind of design and actually kind of revolt against it um which was kind of amazing to see actually as well this kind of um movement against history um and history defining it do you see that Twitter clip, Rachel, where, um, or it might have been on Instagram, where they showed the toppling of the statue and everyone was just around filming it and it was a big collective movement, knocking down the statue, pulling it to the river and then throwing yeah. it overboard. And it seemed very monumental and significant because obviously Edward Colston was a transatlantic slave trader um, in the 17th century. So it seemed like it was, you know, a moment and something that sparked other statues being toppled all over the world as well. It like had a domino effect. Do you remember seeing that on social media? It seemed really powerful at the time. It seemed really so- something that I wouldn't forget easily. Yeah, I think um, I think you've described it rightly when you say it was the domino effect. Like once that happened, it seemed like there was just every it just kind of had that effect and all over the world you were seeing the same sort of thing happening um and yeah it was like really powerful I think it's probably going to be one of those images that defines perhaps this decade we're in now um that people will look back on it's kind of going to be one of those memorable moments um and it's people taken back reclaiming a space and also reclaiming a history and rewrite it. I think the idea as well is to rewrite a history in terms of these men and women um, and ideologies were celebrated for so long um, in these different places um, and they're not going to be any longer because they were wrong, their ideologies were wrong, their actions were wrong, and um, it's created a lot. I mean, I'm sure you've read about all the controversy it's also created as well. There's never going to be one side completely agreeing on it. That's the other thing that comes up is that, you know, what do you do? Do you go and knock down all of these statues all over the world? Um, Do you replace them with something? You know, do you replace the plaques that explain what they are? How do you redesign these spaces so that they're they're more acceptable to everyone? The people that are the the statue supporters, (laughs) inverted commas, even if, you know, they don't have a place anymore, then is it right for like everyone else just to pull them down? Um, because obviously this person was an oppressor Edward Colston was an oppressor and you know for some he was a philanthropist but for many he was an oppressor that actually sold slaves um, so or traded slaves so I think that's it's a really interesting discussion to have but I don't know if there's an answer it seems like it's very complex um, and the other thing was as well whenever Colston's um, statue was toppled the figure of Jen Reed went up um, and she was photographed standing on the plinth with her fist raised after that statue was toppled down. And it was erected overnight by an artist called Mark Quinn. And I thought that was, again, really interesting that it's, you know, a public reclamation of a space. And is that the way forward? Do we have more engagement with what happens in our cities as well? Um, it is, like I, I remember saying as well, there were other statues that were replaced with 
um, like former enslaved people who were like spearheading movements, you know, hundreds of years ago against oppressors, and they have replaced statues in in some areas. Um, but I think these movements have always happened. They're like throughout history. Um, I think ours is just happening. This this particular one is happening in a totally different age now of um people are reclaiming spaces but because a lot of people couldn't be there to protest in person it's so some people were and some people were unfortunately punished for it at times um and some got out of control obviously in the states and things but um it's moved on to an online platform it's moved on to a digital platform as well so the protesting isn't happening in person anymore people are reclaiming spaces or fighting for spaces uh in online you know um which is a really bizarre concept but it is because look at all the uh social media um platforms and uh influencers and celebrities or just every everyone has had an impact has had their say or has had a um has been influenced by it or has seen it I don't think you can have a mobile phone on enough and not seen those images of statues being toppled or of places being um taken over by protesters and and things like that so it's a really interesting concept now I think it's very true that cities are always changing as well and I think that people sometimes think that history should be preserved for the sake of history, but sometimes it's perhaps okay to improve upon what was celebrated before and make something that is more appropriate or is more relevant to how people live and work and believe now as well. And another area that people have been really looking at more closely is um, racism when it comes to television and films as well and there's been a lot of um, calling out of places that have or films that have maybe shown something like blackface and they've been told right you know these are not screened anymore but then other people have put in warnings to say that you know this is how something was at a particular time so they're almost saying that you know they're not removing it they're not erasing the history but they're saying that we don't agree with this but this is what happened at this point in time and then you're watching it with that context you're not thinking that this is an okay thing to watch or this is not an okay thing to do or uh, imitate um so what do you think about that as well what what are your thoughts on it Rachel I think it's it's a really interesting point that it's um moved into also just it's made it like the whole movement itself has made has questioned so many things and it's a brilliant thing that has happened as well. Um, but I remember actually I was recently binge watching Mad Men over lockdown and I, yep, it's a great series. Um, but there is a season in it and one of the warning disclaimers had come up before an episode um, to actually to actually um, say state that this show, um, you know, is based on... Madison Avenue advertising agency in the 1960s and that it is staying true to how life was at that time and it was because that episode featured a um 
a white man doing blackface, um, which like now is like really incredibly shocking, shocking to look at and see. But that was what happened back then. That was like so normalized, and the even just throughout the series in general, the the concept of race and identity is like um, prevalent kind of throughout, especially into the latter years of the 60s and into the 70s that the show portrays. But it was interesting to kind of see that um, forewarning before the episode, which has never, like, I've never seen that on any other TV shows um, before this year anyway. So they've obviously, and obviously, like, we're aware of all the TV shows and films that have been taken, that were taken down off streaming platforms and things like that. Um, What was interesting as well is... I've now gone to notice it even with uh, like the Me Too movement a couple of years ago. So many films and TV shows from that regard as well uh, as well that ha- have not aged well at all. Uh, even sadly, some films that I grew up with or that I, you know, had on my favourites list for a long time, like The Breakfast Club and... Uh, 16 cat like loads of John Hughes films um you know episodes of even friends and things have come under fire and when you look back at it and you actually realize like the tropes that are played out throughout those films and things from back in the 80s and early 90s is kind of shocking as well um And it's not that long ago, actually, because the thing is, whenever you think back, okay, that was in the 50s and 60s and people were not like educated about these things. But you feel like by the 80s and the 90s, people were very educated about it, or at least I thought they were. But some things have been going on really recently, like politicians and blackface and and seeing this in some movies and programs, like you mentioned as well, and just that sort of blindness to it or something, like just not understanding the how that would be perceived by other people yeah for sure it's it's crazy like it's um and I don't know whether it's just we were just so ill-informed back then or just it was just so ingrained in culture um that it wasn't a noticeable thing it was so ingrained into our entertainment um and into our kind of daily lives and we just didn't notice it at all, which is just a crazy thing to think about how, uh, you know, it's only now and it's only through um, more and more sort of news, um, like shocking news events and, and, and through constantly having that stream through your mobile phone and things um, and having information closer to ham then you know it's becoming more of a something that we're like oh right yes I mean obviously that's not right obviously that's not okay but why did it take to this point in time to realize it I know it's, it's taken too long and I think that you know now we just don't have an excuse and now I think because everything is so public that you know people can't hide either about these things you know everything is at our fingertips like you said you know we have these phones in our hands we're seeing things all the time that if you do something that is potentially offensive it's going to be out there and lots of people will see it which is different to how it used to be as well 
But then you were talking a bit about um, some of the movements that have been abroad and people coming together. And one of the examples was Black Lives Matter. And that's actually come back here to Northern Ireland and had an impact here as well. Have you noticed that, you know, since Black Lives Matter became, um, you know, the start, it was always there, but it became a bigger thing, I think, in 2020. I think you might agree with that or you might not, but I think it seems to have like really, really taken off in a much bigger way this year. Um, I think people have just become really aware of it this year. And I think it's had some sort of impact here as well. So what what do you think, what sort of impact do you think it's had on Northern Ireland? I think it's kind of made a lot of people, myself included, maybe realise just how um, ingrained racism is into our society, even in Northern Ireland. And I don't think it's something that a lot of people actually give much credence to at all because we just, I think there was always this assumption that like we're just not racist in Ireland, which is totally, completely untrue. And I think it's only through um, activists within Ireland and, and in Northern Ireland who have really been kind of shining a light on it more um more forcefully over the last few months um people especially who have been dealing with it their whole lives here um and I think maybe as well in Northern Ireland we were kind of um always maybe quite preoccupied with other issues to even maybe pay racism much mind when in fact it's quite a quite a thriving problem in our society um and I mean you can just it's evident kind of in graffiti around the city and in attitudes of people in society as well um and it's an issue I think we do that a lot of people are trying to tackle um and the support for the Black Lives Matter movement in Belfast kind of showed that a lot of people aren't willing to stand by and even you know even during covid uh the the show of support in Belfast there was pretty amazing and then pretty unfortunate that so many people got punished by it as well um what what do you think about it like yeah, I think it's really impacted upon here. I think this year, just as a whole, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the pandemic, people in lockdown, everything has come together to create all these points of discussion, which should have happened a long time ago, but it's taken until now and it's really taken off this year. And I think people just have been speaking about things more more openly. I think it's it's even, you know, given almost a platform to people that had already been saying this in the past and people maybe had not listened that this year people suddenly started listening finally. Like they started finally taking in that, you know, we're experiencing this, we're experiencing racism, our city has issues. And I think it had just been ignored in the past. Maybe people were focusing on other problems or maybe people were pretending that there wasn't any problem. But I think this year things have dramatically changed. And like you were saying about the the movements and the protests, people coming together, it seems like some people were unfairly 
targeted for that whereas you know other people that were doing the same thing in other situations were not so I think that's interesting as well because it was almost like you know well you know here you go here's an example of how things are different and how some people are treated in one way and some people are treated in a different way so that was you know quite interesting as well but I think it's an important discussion and I think sometimes we feel that because we're on an island we're isolated from the rest of the world but actually you know the world is much more mixed than it ever was before and we are much more globalized and connected than we think sometimes and I think it is interesting that if there are improvements and changes going on elsewhere that we bring it back and maybe be the the leaders in that kind of thing as well you know why don't we like start pushing back and changing things and making them better for everyone here? Because um, even, you know, I was listening to an interesting podcast and it was called 1619. And I was just talking about, you know, things like Black Lives Matter. It's not only for black people as well. It'll make an impact to all marginalized people because the moment you start addressing these things about one type of person or one minority, the, the domino effects there again and it just starts to impact how you view everything it's not just about race even it, it goes beyond that to different kinds of people so i think that that's really really interesting as well why don't we hear from our guest in this episode we hear from the black culture movement following the growth of blm in 2020 the team have formed to educate empower and uplift people about the experience of black people and to provide a safe space for community hi um i'm cassie logan i'm 21 i'm mixed irish and zimbabwean and i'm a law student in austin university hi i'm shadow furley i am 23 and I do a HND in beauty management at Belfast Met. I am also mixed. I'm Nigerian and Irish. Um, we are part of a group, Black Culture Movement UK. Um, you can find us on Instagram, hopefully Twitter soon. Um, and we have basically just started the group kind of like during the protests to create it was like a safe space the idea was had to have like a friendly space for people because we were getting so many questions as individuals on our own instagram pages because we've been about, quite outspoken about yeah the BLM issues and, and like racism yeah so the page kind of ranges from racism to black history we're hopefully going to put some like her car tips skin car tips things like that anything that's like really relevant personal stories as well like yeah there's personal stuff so many people that are like kindly have been willing to share their stories yeah. with us and you know like we'll we interviews the almost and, um even our personal journeys and stuff yeah. with blm um i think blm black lives matter movement was like an american thing you yeah, know what i mean for, like yeah it began as an american thing and i think people just automatically associated it with um, you know, like gun violence, police brutality, yeah. which is why I think that's why it was actually started, wasn't it? Well, Black yeah, Lives Matter. Yeah. But I think in regards to here and BLM, what it means to us mm. here um, is more that we want to use it to highlight that racism does happen in yeah. Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's still relevant to yeah. our society. It's not just an American thing. And as well as that, 
more people are kind of beginning to understand that now. Like, yeah. um, but previously they would have questioned, you know, why are you outraged about something that happened in America? There are still people, you know, who haven't grasped the concept yet and still wonder why we're outraged about things that happen in America. But it's the same way some people, you know, are outraged about what's going on in Palestine or, yeah. you know, things like that. You have a right to be involved in world not, issues. And, like, we're not saying, like, oh, we completely, you know, like, police brutality. Like, we'll probably not ourselves we'll probably never really understand that unless you know we were in america yeah, we're not but it's like you can empathize with these people like you Hopefully. know what it's like for people to discriminate against you because of your skin yeah. color yeah so we just and and it's like it's madness yeah. it's absolute madness that this like the most powerful country in the world yeah. is allowing people to die because yeah. of their skin color yeah and donald trump trump doesn't help because <laughs> he doesn't do anything about it he actively avoids standing yeah. up for police for police brutality and doesn't make an effort to end it. Yeah. So I think the power of social media. Yeah. What you know, I think there's good and there's bad with oh, it. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I definitely think, you know, kind of focusing more on the positive, I definitely think yeah. that it's been like through social media and the environment of social media that has allowed me to, you know, put my voice out there, put my yeah, thoughts out yeah. there. And then to have people be like, oh, I get what you're saying or what you're saying is, like, inspiring or whatever else. Like, I think when we had all been talking out on our social media and people mm-hmm. were like, oh, that's, you know, it's amazing that you're yeah, saying this. That, you know, that, that kind of, like, yeah. inspired us to start our page. And yeah. now, our page has such... It doesn't have such a small volume, but, you know, it's a small volume, but I feel like it's made a difference yeah at least for in sure. anyway yeah i would agree i think especially here in belfast because so many people have mailed me you know on my personal page or even on our black our so i'd say our black lives matter page our bcm page um saying you know oh you've really opened my eyes i wasn't sure about this before i wasn't educated on that before and now i know about this and it has encouraged me to do further research and find out things for myself which is exactly the right thing you know the right step in the right direction you know a positive step in the right direction should i say because that's the first thing you need you know people who are willing to understand and kind of do their own research and find things out and i feel like that's where a lot of people stand in belfast now is like you know, they want to be educated on this. Yeah. They're like, racism exists. We can see it, you know, through not just us speaking, but through other um, black or mixed people speaking in Belfast. Yeah, there's so many. They're like, they're so willing to learn now. Yeah. And I think like the scene at City Hall is like a scene you'll just never oh forget. God, never. It, was it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was wild. And to just see a protest for something that you has affected you so badly. Yeah, and to see so many people so actually many people occur, Yeah. Has just it's been unbelievable. Insane. Like for that, in my 23 years, that was the first time I was ever like, oh my God, so people many people occur. occur. And what I have to say about my experiences in life in this country where so many people are insistent that there's no racism or racism isn't a problem. All of these people here believe us yeah. and are so standing like, up with us. There is a lot of people who will deny this. There's a yeah. lot of people who aren't willing and ready to learn. Yeah, yeah. But I think what counters that is the amount of people that are like, we are willing, we are ready yeah. to learn. You know, they want to raise up black voices. Yeah, yeah. And I think and that's amazing help. to come from such a small yeah. little city. We've got Especially so far to go. we've never seen anything like exactly. that. Exactly. We've never seen anything like that. We've got so far to go, but For I sure, think yeah, that definitely. we're definitely taking the right steps yeah. in achieving. It was such a huge positive step. Um, Obviously, like I was saying earlier to you, 
that we haven't changed any laws or we haven't changed the school curriculum to include black history or but that's we've all gonna taken take time. the first step yeah it's gonna yeah. take time we've taken the first step in the right direction i'm from a city that is like you know predominantly white yeah it's not gonna change overnight no yeah, but yeah, i right. think we're definitely in the right direction yeah Thanks for listening to this episode of Island Designed. For many of us, 2020 has been defined by challenging reminders that the past isn't really past. Reminders that we all need to recycle and release all the energy of protest we've witnessed this year in the push to rebuild a world that is better and stronger and more than just the one we remember before we all went into our personal coronavirus bunkers. By creating space through education and action, we can build a better future together. This podcast was produced as a collaboration between Belfast Design Week and Turf and Green. If you would like to find out more about Belfast Design Week, please visit belfastdesignweek.com.